Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another fine edition. I guess I'm a little presumptuous when I say that sometimes. Maybe maybe it's going to be a shitty episode. Who knows? Uh, Of the Athletic Hockey Show, the Roundtable Edition. I am Rob Pizzo from CBC Sports. Uh, Jesse Granger has the week off uh, traveling or doing something. So we're going to give him a little time off. He's on assignment. Yeah. He's on. No, let's not make him sound like he's a hard worker. Come on. When someone's not here, you got to break their balls a little bit. So Mike Russo is here as per usual in Minnesota. How are you, Mike? I'm doing well. You know, the, the the Golden Knights have this dramatic last second win last night and Jesse has to take the show off. I get it. Yeah, I get it. He needs to rest up a little bit and, you know, sleep in just a bit. And and it's funny because there's three of us on this show and two of you are in the same house, but different rooms as Joe Smith is at your house as well. And joining us, filling in for Jesse. How are you, Joe? Doing well, doing well. Finished the, what, 1,500-mile, 1,600-mile drive on Monday night. So I'm, I'm settled in nicely in the Minnesota Athletic Bureau here. <laughs> Minnesota Athletic Bureau, a.k.a. Russo's house. Um, our, our, <laughs> our editor-in-chief, Rob, is uh, his dog, Sammy. And, yes. Uh, he's absolutely, uh, he's like the chillest dog ever. <laughs> well, there you go. And, and yeah, separate rooms, so we're not getting any kind of feedback. It's beautiful. I love I love the way I want to plan comes together like this. Um we got a lot of stuff to go go through, guys, uh, and I want to let everybody know, special guest coming up in segment number two of the show, Nino Niederreiter, or as Russo tweeted, and you actually made me laugh out loud with this tweet, the man who is, quote, destroying Austin Matthews in the race for the Rock Richard. Uh, three goals in his first two games in a Nashville uh, jersey. He's going to be joining us uh, a little later on in the show, so be sure to tune into that. And, and uh, just to show you how good of a guy, Rob, 
that Nino is. He just literally sent me a text saying how excited he is to talk to us today. So awesome, um, awesome. So really, he's a he's one of the great people that I've covered here in Minnesota, and excited to catch up with him. One of the the, the um, people who aren't so great, the guy who responded to your tweet. I don't remember his name, and I don't even want to. He kind of says, guys, the season hasn't started yet. Mm-hmm. There's those always the somebody people that you're like, oh, come on, man. It's the, it's like those people that don't get the on pace for jokes after someone scores two goals in the opening season, uh, opening game of the season. You do wonder how these people like function in normal life. That yes, like the sense of the the sense of humorless. Um, like how do how on earth do you think that I'm being serious there? But people do. <laughs> they need like a sarcasm font on Twitter or like some sort of like uh, you know it's hard to convey tone on Twitter apparently, and uh, you know exactly. But- or, or maybe just an idiot detector that doesn't allow you to log on to Twitter. Uh, let's move on. We're going to start with uh, the two games from last night, guys. I guess it's opening night number two of three, I guess. Some people looked at the games in Prague's opening night. Then you've got last night, but then you got six games tonight either way. Um, and we're going to start with uh, the Rangers and the Lightning. And before we even talk any hockey, I got to play this piece of audio for you guys because <laughs> this this kind of set Twitter afire as we talk about Twitter. Um, right before faceoff, referee Chris Rooney mic'd up says this. To our great players and our great fans, welcome to opening night of the 2022-23 NHL season. What's better than this? Good luck to all players. Let's have a great season. On a scale of one to ten, guys, uh, cringe-worthy uh, level detector here. What do you think that was on a scale from one to ten? Uh, Joe, we'll start with you. Hmm, I have to go. <clears throat> has to be above five somewhere, like six or so, maybe. I don't know. It's uh, you're being kind. <laughs> um, I'm just saying that you know it was. Unex- I didn't. I was watching the game last night, and I was I was surprised that they actually had the mic'd up thing, and that was it. So uh, I don't know, Mike. What do you think? I think the best part of the whole thing was when uh, Chris Rooney, knowing that it was probably cringeworthy, uh, went up to Victor Hedman and made it very clear on his mic that this was an ESPN idea and that he had to do it. And Hedman actually asked him, he goes, what are you getting paid for? And he goes, probably an ESPN hat. I thought that actually was really funny. I know Chris. I like him. I felt, (laughs) you know, it was uh, it was a little awkward. Um, I thought Graham Skilleter did a, a, you know, probably recognized right away that it was uh, probably didn't go as well, at least in the published public section. So he made it a lot shorter and sweeter in the LA game. Yeah, it almost felt hostage like, like uh, they are treating me well. Uh, <laughs> the line that gets me is, "What's better than this?" It's like, who wrote this? There's no way that and Chris Rudy, if they had asked him to, I'm sure he could have come up with a line or two where he's just like, "All right, boys, let's have a good game." You know, the way a referee actually does talk to the players, have that part mic'd up. That's fine, but what's better than this? Like Hallmark card type cringeworthy stuff. Also, they're starting saying time to hunt when the Panthers are on or something like that. Or what are they going to do? Like start doing the yeah. team that have it's uh I think the more oh. natural the better in these mic'd up situations. And I think everybody would got jazzed up yes. if it was if it was just like opening night, you're at the garden, you hear the noise, you hear him say, All right guys, you know, no dirty stuff here, let's go, let's make it up, blah blah blah, or make a joke towards brain point about something, or make something like they they would do naturally, right? You know? So absolutely. Ever since twenty four seven came about to me with that's I want more of that. I want something that you kind of laugh at that you don't necessarily hear or or just entertain with. And that certainly wasn't it. But uh the Rangers come away with a three one win. Mika Zabinajad uh on pace for how many goals? I'm not gonna make the joke because someone on Twitter will say, Rob, it's only one game in. Uh, a couple goals, including one shorthanded and one on the power play. 
Shesterkin, 25 saves. Your thoughts on uh, the first game, I guess, in North America of the National Hockey League season, Russo? Well, first of all, let's. Uh, I think we should actually should start with Joe because Joe uh, was sitting on my couch last night, looking so sad that he was uh, not in ta- not in Madison Square Garden covering that game. He is the longtime Lightning beat writer. He hasn't missed a home opener in like or a season opener in ten years, and he just looked like a like a wounded puppy. Well, thankfully, I had my own puppy in my lap there watching it, so I didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> but uh, but no, it was it was a little weird watching it on TV for the first time ten eleven years, and obviously covered the team last however long in playoff runs, but uh, what was, was, I was curious to see what they looked like. You know, a lot of change in the offseason. They lost McDonough. They lost Palat. Uh, obviously, you know, the Ian Cole situation um, going on, too. So they had a lot of new guys in the lineup. And, and obviously, New York was like the better team from the start. And, you know, they just – I'm curious to see how the Lightning get off to this, you know, the season because they need to tr- kind of tread water and stay afloat uh, while, like, Torelli's out to mid-December and Goshen's out to late November at least. So – um, a lot of new guys that John Cooper has to mix in their lineup and see. I mean, no one's going to count these guys out, right? You know, but I'm saying it's important at the beginning of the season to, to pile up points so you don't have to worry about chasing it in the second half. Yeah, the Lightning, uh, they didn't look very good, Robin. And, um, you know, I thought that obviously Vasilevsky kept them in a game that really um, could have gotten out of hand early. A lot of chances. Shesterkin was good late. Um, I, I loved Zabina Jod's game. Um, you know, that team still, like, there's just not a lot of weaknesses there. Obviously, uh, Joe and I saw a lot of, a lot of them during the Eastern Conference Final, um, uh, you know, three, four months ago. And, you know, when you have Shesterkin and Ned, and then that back end, which I think is as good as it gets in the NHL, and then the forwards that they have up front, they're top-heavy, they're deep. Um, you know, there's not a lot of weaknesses there. I think the Rangers are going to be a team that's right there at the top when we come uh, come April, May. Real quick before we move on from the Lightning, Joe, you know, I've seen a lot of people wondering if they could make another deep run, and if so, get back to the finals, which would be four years in a row, which is just bananas in, in this era of the NHL, isn't it? I mean, you go back to when dynasties actually existed. To mm. me, the most unbreakable team record in sports history is the Islanders winning not 19 straight Thanks, playoff yeah. series. Yeah, I mean, this this team is just still built in a way that they could make another run, couldn't they? They could. Just have to make the playoffs and see what happens from there, right? I think the record against the yeah. top teams in the league are, are, is not really good in the regular season, but they beat them in the playoffs. And I talked to Nikita Kucherov last week, and he looked around the room. He goes, I don't think people in the league realize how pissed off we are that we were, you know, we lost that series and that how hungry we are, you know, Bassi put the Baslavsky and Sergachev and Sam Coase, like, they're hungry. They want to get back. Like, will they get, will they get back? We'll take some luck and some fortune. The bounces and some guys, you know, having some really good years that are uh, like the Hagels and the Coltons and stuff like that. But, you know, if as long as you have that core together that knows how to win, that, you know, not questioning whether they have a chance, know how to win, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, other teams haven't got there yet. They know what it's like. They know how to turn it on. They know how to, to win close games. So, I mean, I think they do have a chance. You just have to get there first. Game number two last night uh, was actually pretty good uh, a thriller of a game three ties in this game and Bruce Cassidy winning his coaching debut uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights 4-3 over the Kings thanks to Mark Stone scoring with 26 seconds left and as our co-host who isn't here today put on in his headline of his story Mark Stone is back anyone who battles with injuries for a long period of time when they do have a fresh season in front of them and something like that happens it almost feels like a Disney movie at times and you're like oh that was good to see wasn't it Russo yeah, and um, yeah, I, I I marvel over how good he is because he's not the greatest skater in the world, but he's got the greatest stick, um, and he just reads the play so well, and um, obviously could could produce. And um, you know, he that team I thought Kessel looked good last night. Kessel was flying. 
Um, Eichel looked great. Jesse Granger last week told us that Eichel's going to have a hundred point season and and be a star this year. Um, you know, obviously goaltending is a bit of an issue right now. They still have a great back end, um, a good team. The Kings, to me, um, very top heavy, real good top line, obviously with Kopitar and Kempe and and Fiala. Um, but from there on out, you know, you just wonder, um, you know, how good they're going to be from a standpoint of of getting these new young guys really to mesh in there. Because I think that team they made the playoffs last year. They took Edmonton to a seven game and they are on the rise and it's just going to see how they come together here in the early going uh, and how Fiala also fits in there. I mean, Fiala has some, he's got immense amount of talent. He changes the complexion of that that team from a skill and a speed standpoint, a team that a lot of times still has trouble to score, but he still has warts in his game that again manifested itself last night. And as I wrote on Twitter, a leopard doesn't change its spots. This is what he does. On the power play, they have a chance to take a 2-1 lead. He turns the puck over the blue line, is frustrated after a frustrating night for him. And what does he do? He elbows either, was it Martinez in the face or Theodore in the face, takes a penalty, they come out of the box and they score. So what could have been a 2-1 Kings lead becomes a 2-1 Vegas lead. Now, obviously, a lot of things happen after that, but this is the type of thing that drove Dean Evison nuts, and it's the type of thing he's going to have to get out of his game because I know Todd McClellan really well, and Todd is not going to stand for stuff like that. Joe? Yeah, I mean, I, I think overall, uh, the Kings, like they mentioned last night in the broadcast, how many injuries they had last year, and they were able to use some of their young guys in their lineup and and really kind of grow, and maybe that'll help them this year as they kind of make this push and maybe get back in the playoffs and do it. But uh, I'm curious in seeing, you know, how Fiala does this year. I'm curious to see how the Wild do, you know, without Fiala, you know, Boldy specifically and stuff like that. So, um, but Vegas, you know, they're a team that uh, every year, you know, ever since their first year are supposed to be contenders and they've had a lot of stuff going on with the goalies and the injuries and stuff like that. But on paper, you look at the team with Marcia So and Eichel and, and Stone healthy, like they should be one of the top teams in the Western Conference. And so it's just a matter of them executing, getting it done. Uh, Russo, you touched on something I wanted to ask you guys about, just the Kessel factor and something else Jesse mentioned last week about how he he feels like he's got something to prove. He feels like the hockey world forgot about him in Arizona. Um, I've always said he's a bit of an anomaly because this is far from body shaming, but when you see Phil Kessel, you don't look at a, at a guy, that, you know, especially the years you know where he played in my neck of the woods in Toronto, that should move as fast as he does. But that only lasts so long, and I think this offseason we've heard all about his, his his training and came to camp, you know, much lighter. He wants to prove that he's he's still the guy. And last night he seemed to kind of pop on my screen, and, and I, yeah. I almost felt like there's the Phil Kessel I remember that was explosive in that first step when he got the puck. I don't know about you guys, but I'm thinking if that's the Phil Kessel we're going to see all year, now with <laughs> a, a better supporting cast – we could see a pretty crazy year from him. We'll start with you. Yeah, I th- I, or, okay, we'll start with Mike. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, you know, I, I would say that uh, as long as they get goaltending, that's still a really good team. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously they had a trade back packs Petretti, and that's, that's a tough one. But if, if, if Thompson um, could, could stand, uh, you know, in that net and give them competent goaltending, they could outscore a lot of their problems. We saw last night, Marshall So is still a fabulous player. You have Eichel, you have Mark Stone, but now you add the Phil Kessel factor. I thought he was a threat on the power play all sing- all night. Um, I don't feel bad for him that he was a uh, lost soldier in, in Arizona. He refused to waive his no trade clause to come to Minnesota 
so he could go to play for Rick Tockett in Arizona? Well, you get what you ask for sometimes. And, and um, you know, he went to a, a, a terrible team and, and was in, the, in sort of a lost market where people forgot about him. And he was humbled this summer. He si- had to sign a one-year, $1.5 million deal, I believe it was. And now he's come in very motivated. He wants to show everybody that he's still the same Phil Kessel that can score a ton of goals. And I thought he looked great last night. I think people might forget how good he was on those Penguins teams that won the Cups, too. Like, they had all these mega yeah. stars with, you know, Crosby and Malkin and all that stuff like that, the HPK line, and, like, he was just a, a terrific factor for them. So, I mean, I know that was a few years ago we're talking about, but, um, you know, clearly he still has some miles on his tires and or miles to go. Um, and he did pop up the screen for me, too, just the way he was skating and creating, too. So that power play looked a lot better with him on there, too. It's funny, between him and Matt Murray, you got two guys from those two Penguins teams that really have something to prove this year, mm-hmm. uh, kind of clinging to those Stanley Cup rings. Um, six games tonight, you got the Leafs and the Habs, you got Columbus and Carolina, Boston, Washington, Chicago, Colorado, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Seattle and Anaheim, which means we've got a lot of storylines that are going to kick off, you know, Johnny Goudreau's Columbus debut. You got Austin Matthews, see if we get, he continues what he did in those 73 games last year with 60 goals. You got the Avs raising their Stanley Cup banner, Connor McDavid and the Oilers. What are you guys looking forward to most for night number two in the NHL? Joe? I want to see Johnny Hockey, and I want to see if he gets scared by you know the cannon this year. I want to see how that, that freaks him out. But uh, <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting that in Pierre Lebrun's piece the other day, uh, wrote about the biggest disappointment probably this year might be Johnny Goudreau. And even if the 95 points would be a disappointment, considering he scored 115 last year and all the expectations and the big biggest deal of the summertime, like, I'm curious how this plays out. Maybe he scores less points, but the team's better off because of him, have more juice because of him, because it makes other teams, guys in their team better. Uh, so I'm curious to see how that looks their first game in and then see how this develops over the course of the season because they brought him in not just because he can score 100-plus points, but how he can change the dynamic of that, that team and that franchise and what, how they can get them a little bit over the hump. So I'm mean, that's kind of what I'm going to watch as the season goes on. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to Austin. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I cannot wait to watch tonight is to see him, de- you know, encore uh, last last season's unreal run. Um, you know, he's right now getting lapped by Niederreiter and Zibanejad in the uh, Rocket Richard race, so he's got a lot of catching up to do here in uh, Game 1, and we'll see if he can do it. <laughs> the season hasn't started, Russo. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I, I've seen a couple regular season games. I've seen about four of them right now, and right now Austin is way back. I don't see him anywhere in the top of the Rocket Richard race. Watch him score four tonight. He'll, he'll score four tonight. Watch. He'll score four. He will probably score you know. four tonight. Five regular season opening games for Austin Matthews, nine goals, three assists. Of course, he had the four-goal game in his, his debut. I saw another crazy stat with him, too. Um, he, he had 60 goals last year, as we know. 18 of those goals were labeled as catch and release, which means less than a second, but not a one-timer. 16 goals were one-timer. So 34 of his 60 goals got off his stick in less than a second. This guy is incredible. I love watching him score goals. Like it looks so easy to him and 99% of the goals he scores are not easy. So I said it last week, we're going to, we're going to have 50 and 50 talk with him. I'm not saying he's going to necessarily do it. We're going to have 50 and 50 talk. I'm always amazed at these superstars, like, you know, and the, the God given talent, I know it's work ethic and all that, but like, like, you know, just staring at uh, like when we were at the media tour and just watching Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, and I'm interviewing Kirill Kaprizov in the, in the lineup or in the locker room the other day. And he just looks like, you know, any normal guy. And Mm -hmm. you you put these guys on the ice and there's, they are superhuman and what makes 
Austin Matthews, this guy, and another player, this guy. It, it really is unreal. And what he w- does on the ice, every t- uh, unfortunately, we don't get to see him enough here in Minnesota, but every time he's here, you just marvel over his ability. And um, and I do think, uh, as you mentioned, Rob, his opening night stats are, are pretty unreal, and I think he's going to put on a show tonight. I grew an appreciation for him, too, you know, covering the Lightning and seeing him all the time in that division. And obviously, the playoff series, the seven-game series against Tampa last year. I mean, you know how you know, electric he is and how fantastic a scorer he is, but he's a two, better two-way player than people give him credit for, yes. too. I know Marner, Marner might be the best two-way defensive player on that team as far as forward-wise to play on defense this year, maybe. But Austin Matthews, you watch him, he, he's, a, he's a dog at defensive end. He goes back to defensive end. He creates a lot of his own chances from what he does in his own end. So I think that's what I really appreciate about him and some of the other better, bigger stars in this game, too, is not just a one-trick pony. And we saw, we saw a playoff version of Austin Matthews against the Lightning that we hadn't seen before. And I mean, to, to Mitch Marner's credit, same thing. You know, this team, I know they got eliminated again in the first round, but I feel like they took a huge step in pushing that that Lightning team the way they did to the break. I mean, they were that that one tip from Matthews away, about two inches away yeah. from moving on in that series. Yeah. You know, I know they say the close isn't counting unless, you know, hand grenades or horseshoes, I guess. But like, you know, they definitely looked like they had a more of a, a mentally tough team last year and and they should have won, arguably, you know, game six, they, they're up, you know, going to the third period, they had chances in overtime, I hit a post, you know, like they had them on the ropes more than any other team has in this kind of uh, golden era of lightning hockey. So, uh, and they have the talent to, to outscore some of the problems too. So I, I'm really excited to see what they do this year. I'm, I don't care who finishes first, second or third in that division. They're all going to be, be a bloodbath going into that, in the playoffs, whoever plays each other. And I was struck at the NHL media tour that Austin and Connor really had the same message, right? And Connor obviously went around, um, you know, further, uh, two rounds further than 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 Austin. Than, but you know, if you remember, Connor made it very very clear that they have a lot of growth to do after playing Colorado, and they've got a big step to take. And Austin sounded the same way. Now, obviously, they again couldn't get past round one, but I think it's the same thing that Austin is just going to come into this year incredibly motivated um, to 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 lead this. Very, very talented Toronto team to places that it hasn't gone in years, and um, and we'll see if he could do it. All right, so we got games tonight. We had games last night, but as we do on this show every single Wednesday, we go through some of the big storylines uh, throughout the year. So let's go through those before uh, we get to Mister Niederreiter. Calgary Flames made a couple of big signings. Shocking. I mean, Brad Treliving's just been a monster <laughs> in this offseason. It's just I've never. I don't know if I've ever seen an offseason like this where you lose two elite players, your two best players, and arguably your team is better. One of those players that came back in the deal, Mackenzie Weger, I remember we talked about when this deal happened, the only way to really analyze it is if Huberdo and Weger sign extensions. Well, Weger signed an extension, eight years, 50 million bucks. So I guess we can make that analysis. And the other signing, the reigning Jack Adams Award winner, Daryl Sutter, who I believe mm-hmm. if you made his press conferences pay-per-view, people would absolutely buy his press conferences. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on these two sign-on-the-dotted-line moves by Brad Trilliving Russo. We'll start with you. Yeah, I think Joe could uh, talk uh, probably better at Mackenzie Weger. He's seen him a ton more than me. Um, but I love the signing of Daryl Sutter, and I just think it's hilarious. I remember turning my head when they brought him back. <laughs> I mean, I, I could only imagine how that wor- that, you know, you know, call him on his flip phone in the middle of his farm in Viking and try to get him <laughs> on the phone or something. Um, it's just, you know, he comes in and here's this old school coach in a league full of youngsters that usually don't 
you know, you know, aren't receptive to these type of guys. And he comes in there and he's really made this team, um, you know, a really quality team. Now, obviously, they got the incredible goaltender Markstrom and they've got a lot of depth up front. But Tree Living has done a tremendous job there in not not only building the team to what it was, but then as you uh, as as you alluded to, Rob, you know, dealing with a ton of adversity this summer, but then going out and restocking it. And you, now you you take the most, uh, you know, one of the funniest uh, curmudgeons play but he's a play curmudgeon like i mean that's the funny thing he plays the role perfectly that uh daryl sutter and i just think it's absolutely awesome oh it's just unbelievable and um and you're right i i mean i i love going on to uh calvaryflames.com and watching his post-game pressers because there's always just good there's always so you know he's always good for a a sarcastic chuckle there's no doubt about it i have a favorite daryl sutter story for you uh a couple years ago i was working on a story on the lightning and trying to go back to back and how hard it is and why even the great teams even the kings didn't do it and why Blackhawks didn't do it. And so I called a bunch of coaches. I called, you know, reached out to you know, Quenville and then reached out to, you know, Daryl Sutter. And it was, this was New Year's Eve around 6 p.m. or so. And I got a phone call from a, a number I didn't recognize. Was, Hello, Daryl Sutter here. And so Daryl Sutter, you called me on New Year's Eve out on his ranch and like talked for 20 minutes about the Kings and why they could have and should have won back to back and certain things to play into it in the factors. It was a really great conversation we had, but just funny, like a random call on New Year's Eve and it's Daryl Sutter. Uh, you know, from just chilling on his ranch uh, after a long day there. Probably doesn't own a calendar, so, you know, he probably <laughs> didn't know what date it was. <laughs> it's just, and you know what, though? It's exactly what you said, Rousseau. As much as it's funny and sometimes comes off as, you know, I don't want to use the word stupid, but he, he uses certain terms that you're like, oh, is this guy real? And then he turns out being a hockey genius that can turn things around. Um, it, it's it's He's playing the part. Yeah, and again, I mean, we're in a different era of this league, right, than when he first started coaching, and and definitely a different era of the league than the Kings Stanley Cup champions, and yet he continues to, you know, figure out ways to actually change his own style as, as a coach and, and systems and stuff to adjust to this new league, and, um, you know, I've gotten, uh, you know, uh, the Sutters are some of my favorite, favorite people. You know, I grew up a huge Islander fan. I covered Dwayne down in Florida for a long time, both as an assistant coach, as a head coach. And um, these guys, are, they are they are smart, smart hockey men. You don't become, yeah. you know, you don't have a, a slew of of Sutter brothers playing in the NHL if they, if you don't uh, not have talent, but also uh, also have intellect. And then, of course, you have the uh, the seventh Sutter brother that actually uh, won the lottery there in the BC once, which I think is absolutely hilarious. I still remember being at the draft in Toronto and Dwayne Sutter coming up to me is like, you're not going to believe it. He goes, uh, my other brother won the uh, lottery. And he was like, how much did he win? I was, you know, if I remember, it was like a couple million bucks. So yeah, this is back in like 2000. (laughs) When was the uh, draft in Toronto? Because it was definitely when we were in Toronto. So it would have been 2002, three. It was either the Rick Nash draft or the, um, or the Mark, maybe I think it was the, the Rick Nash draft in Toronto. Wow, that's, that's yep. pretty incredible. Um, yep. Hard turn here, guys. There's no way to really do this in a, in a good way, but a couple more minutes left in this segment. Um, both of these stories deal with, unfortunately, uh, sexual assault. Hockey Canada finally succumbing to all the pressure, um, and that tends to happen when the money gets taken away from all of your sponsors. Uh, Scott Smith, out of CEO, the entire board of directors resigned. Um, I think uh, I, like a lot of people saw the alert come on my phone and thought, yeah, this should have happened months ago. Uh, but now it's just a matter of what we're going to see in the future. Are you guys on the same page as me? Like this, It's a good thing that this happened, but man, this should have happened a long time ago. 
it should happen a long time ago. But the key now is not just what they made these these changes, but what they do from here, right? It's the, the, yeah. you know the big move is getting it done after sponsors pulled out. But now it's like okay, who are you bringing in charge? How is the culture going to change? Are there be any you know reporting uh, you know changes to what they do that'll make things easier for people to come forward and and enforcement and, and stuff like that? Because right now, it felt like they it was kind of a PR backlash where they were forced to do it when they didn't really want to, and then now. For me, instead of lip service, it should be a really important phase of what they do next with their leadership and, and changing that. Well, I still just can't believe the whole Andrea Skinner thing the other day and just her, like, just total tone deaf in, in just yeah. everything that she said. And it brought, I mean, maybe that was actually for the best. As much as she humiliated herself and Hockey Canada there during those hearings, um, it, it eventually, it, what it did is it led to lost sponsorship and then eventually what you saw yesterday happen, which is an, a total resignation of pretty much everybody. And it was just, uh, you know, I don't understand as how, you know, and then to go after the media, you were just asking for trouble right from the very beginning. Um, it, it, everything needs to change there. And, and obviously what happened yesterday is for the better. Tone deaf is the perfect way to put it. They've been tone deaf. I mean, it's just months. so I mean, stupid. Yeah. Uh, you know. It, it's it's crazy. The one thing I will say real quick before we move on. Um, so all the sponsors take their money away, which obviously, you know, you start going in someone's bank account, it forces people's hands. But I will say this, people think of Hockey Canada and they think, oh, the World Juniors, World Championships. Hockey Canada trickles down all the way to children. So yes, take your money away because of what happened and the, the people refuse to, to, to take responsibility for what happened, but those people are now gone. So I hope that that doesn't continue to punish the entire organization because as someone who grew up playing hockey in this country, the last thing you want is registration fees doubling because of, of what happened here. I'm just wanted to throw that in there. The other story, Ian Cole suspended by the Tampa Bay Lightning for sexual assault uh, allegations uh, coming from an anonymous Twitter account. Uh, a woman claims that she was abused by, by Cole um, when she was a minor in high school. Uh, and so he has been suspended by the lightning. I'm wondering how much of a distraction this is going to be. Joe, we'll start with you. Well, obviously a lot to unpack here, but I think the lightning were yeah. smart in this instance to have the suspension just until this investigation is over. Um, you know, he, he's owed his due process, of course, like everybody else's. And, and obviously the allegations yeah. are pretty damning if true, but the, for the lightning purposes and, and them and their team, they're so big on culture and doing things right. And, and they have a huge season ahead of them. It's smart to have, have him, on the backside here, so the team doesn't have to worry and focus and talk about him the whole time and can focus on their season. Uh, but it's really important for them to take their time with this and for the league. I think they're meeting with Cole today, if I'm not correct, uh, do an interview with him and his, and his representation to get to the bottom of this and get to the bottom of the, the source of this allegation too, to make sure everything, uh, is okay on that end. So, uh, I think as far as distraction, I think the Lightning are going to be, uh, okay with this, but I think it was smart to come out right away, uh, and have a suspension with pay, obviously. Uh, you know, get that out of the limelight and make folks in their season. And then when he, when he gets a due process, then he either can come back or make another decision at that point. Yeah, I was, um, and this is totally a separate story. So obviously the lightning could not have envisioned something like this coming out, but I was very surprised the lightning signed him as quick as they did. I mean, if you remember, he was one of the biggest, the, one of the first signings on July 13th and between the draft and July 13th free agency, there was like just a short little window there and it came out publicly of, um, you know, allegations in Carolina that, that he had an affair with, with, uh, a media member there. And that, you know, sh certainly seems, uh, those allegations seem to be pretty accurate there. And, um, and then the lightning still signed him. 
So um, one, I was surprised that they sort of put themselves in a position to have eventually a distraction on that subject. And then obviously nobody could have envisioned this story uh, coming out. Um, I covered Ian briefly here in Minnesota. Um, you know, it was a weird time covering Ian too, because it was, it was right in a total Zoom era. So even though I covered him for four or five months, I basically saw him in person twice, once at the end of the season and once at a team hotel on the road. Um, and so, you know, I obviously uh, was blown away by these allegations, both in Carolina and now this, this recent one in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, I did features on him. I talked to his parents for a story that, I, um, you know, man, I, I keep on thinking about his mom and, 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 uh, and what she must be thinking with all the stuff that's come out here. And I certainly hope that none of this is true. And we'll see what happens when this obviously goes to the uh, league office today and what co comes out of this. Because, um, you know, regardless if he's cleared by the league office, what, a, what, what are the Lightning going to do? I mean, this is going to be an unbelievable distraction the rest of the year if he is playing hockey. I also can't imagine playing hockey through this. And it's just going to be interesting to see how this uh, story develops here. Yep, we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, after the break, we'll speak to Nino Niederreiter, the newest member of the Nashville Predators, who seems to be enjoying his new digs, so don't go anywhere. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, guys, we've, we've talked about this at length. It was a crazy offseason. Faces changing places all over the place. And one of those faces uh, is our next guest. Two games into his first season with the Nashville Predators, he's got three goals on three shots. And one of those was a game <laughs> winner as the Preds uh, swept the Sharks in the Global Series in Prague. Nino Niederreiter joining us on the Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks so much for doing this. Of course. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, so I'm taking it you like the New Jersey and some of the world travel you've you've been able to do because, yes, you were in Prague, but... It's not very often, you know, that maybe the highlight of a trip is an exhibition preseason game that you got to play, you know, in your home country. And I saw the videos of you after the game hugging your grandparents and mm -hmm. your dad and everybody being there. I mean, how special was that game? Not only for yourself, but, you know, your teammate Roman Yossi as well. Yeah, I mean, it's almost tough to describe how special that moment really was. I mean, my grandparents never, uh, never saw me play live. So that was like the first step, which was already special. Playing in front of the Swiss fans, which I haven't done in, since uh, 2009, was uh, was really cool as well. And obviously for Roman, he I mean, he's from the city. He grew up there and like it's his hometown and he literally has missed the burn there. And like, <laughs> it was so special for us just to be there and uh, have the whole experience. And for me, coming into a new team was kind of 
a good step to getting to know all the guys. I mean, there's a long flight always, obviously going overseas and getting to know the teammates. So that kind of felt pretty easy to do that with a new team, I guess. And, you know, how, how did, how did it all work out this summer with free agency and, um, you know, and landing specifically in Nashville, being reunited with your buddy here from Minnesota, Mikhail Granlin, um, you know, to, to get that two-year deal, was it a tough thing waiting or, or, or what happened there to get you to Nashville? I mean, it kind of was hard because, I mean, there was a few uh, players like obviously Palat and Burakovsky, which were, in my opinion, definitely ahead of me. And I want to see where they're going and what, what their plan is. And I mean, I had some options. There was one. And I, I want to make sure I put myself in the best situation possible as well. And I felt like right from the beginning that the, the Preds would have been definitely a great spot. But at the end of the day, it always needs two two teams there were like two people and then i mean i wanted to really go there and they really wanted me so i'm happy we made it work and what's it like playing with granny again it's fun i mean obviously i know him since minnesota time kind of grew up into the league a little bit together and and having him and seeing him every single day again it's it's definitely a lot of fun i mean we were such close friends in many then we lost track a little bit we both go to a different team and now we're back together so it's uh it's the beauty of hockey i mean one day you're back together and you feel like you've been around each other for the whole time already. You know, Joe Smith here. Um, obviously, you played some really good Carolina teams for a number of years. And I'm always curious about Ron Brindamore. It seems like he could still play. If they have given him a uniform, he could suit up today and play. And I was curious if you have a favorite Rod Brindamore story of him as a coach, whether it's on ice or off the ice or in the gym with you guys. What is your favorite story with him? <laughs> uh, my favorite story was definitely, I mean, I would say last year, he, uh, I kind of came a little earlier than usual into the uh into the dressing room and then all of a sudden i see him just laying there on the floor so i was like okay what, what was he doing again i mean always he's at work hours. so he so he did our training camp our like assault bike test which we are supposed to do he did it himself and he was literally just absolutely dead on the floor came in i was like good morning coach no response and i literally just got into town so i was like oh must be either in a bad mood or something something up so he went back in his uh little dressing room then he came out for like 20 or 30 minutes. And then he came back, had some color in his face again. Like, hey, good morning, how are things? Had a good flight. So I asked him, well, yeah, everything okay? I was like, yeah, I just did the assault bike test. I feel like if the players have to do it, I want to do it. But I think it's the last time he ever did, I believe. I'm wondering if he actually did this year or not. There's a reason they call him Rod the Bod, right? I mean, he's yeah. just, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's insane. Um, you know, I alluded to it off the top. Three goals in your first two games on three shots. Um, and they were the most Nino Nita Rider goals ever, like just prototypical of the what you go to the net, you get the puck there. But when you join a new team, how how much of it of a relief is it? Because obviously it comes with expectations. You know, anytime you, you the Nashville fans are watching you uh, very closely, how how much of it is a relief to get, you know, the first goal out of the way and, and to get off to a great start? Because the pressure is going to come even from, you know, Russo over here who put on Twitter that you're destroying Austin Matthews in the uh, Rocky Richard <laughs> race, but had to feel good to get that monkey off your back really, really early. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, obviously coming to a new team is uh, you want to leave a good impression. That's number one. But it's I think in general, every single season, you want to make sure you get that first goal out of the way right away. And I'm very happy and fortunate that it, that it went in. And I think that was definitely on my my chest a little bit you want to make sure you leave a good impression when you come to a new team like you said there's a lot of people watching and curious who the new guys we we signed and i just told myself i just gotta find and find the open area i just gotta go to net i mean he was playing with johans which i got to know in juniors very well we played together we were teammates there i mean i know i just have to get open and he will he will eventually find you and that's exactly what happened i mean he's a terrific player great playmaker to be around and 
definitely very happy that I went in. Nino, uh, when, when I covered you here in Minnesota, I mean, you were like a sports writer's dream in terms of writing features about and things like that because you're such a colorful figure. And I remember you were part of that Breitling Club. The, the I think it was the Transatlantic Club, is it called? Yeah. Um, and you, I mean, you were doing stuff in the off season where you were like flying on the outside of planes and all sorts of like fun, like crazy, crazy stuff that very few people would have the the guts to do. Do you still do that type of stuff? Like, what are some of the fun, fun things that you do in Switzerland in the off season? Well, to be honest, like that was the whole wing way, uh, wing walks, which I did in uh, back then. I came back from training camp and Chuck Fletcher took me aside a little bit. He was like, you know what, like I appreciate it if you stay on the ground next summer. <laughs> and I've seen what you did there. So just make sure you're safe. We need you here. And uh, so I haven't done anything crazy in the past uh, few years because he basically told me not to. So I kind of stuck in my head. He's like, you know what, maybe he's right. Let's just stay in the ground till my career is over, I guess. <laughs> What what has it uh, like? What has it been playing like with Roman Yossi? I know how much you looked up to him when you were here, and you you obviously know him well. Yeah, I mean, we played usually national team all together, and we kind of like in the junior level we played and played together a little bit. And I mean, he's such a terrific player, but he's even a better person off the ice. I mean, he just takes care of everyone, and uh, he wants to make sure he's uh, he's the, the right leader, and uh, he helps everyone if somebody needs it, and. I mean, he's a really good friend of mine. So playing with him and every once in a while speaking Swiss German in the dressing room is, is kind of fun as well. You know, I used to cover the Lightning and they went to the Sweden for the Global Series three years ago. And they said that's one of the biggest parts of their cup run was their bonding experiences on the road. And that week in Sweden, they only played two games and they had a whole week to go out and hang out. What was the coolest moment off the ice for you guys as a team where you guys kind of got to be close and, and do something together? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, we did. I feel felt like this time was still like, Hard to describe like what what all happened. I mean, we had a great great time in Prague where we had a great team dinner right when we got there. Had a day off the next day, so uh, we had a fantastic night, I would say. And um, I mean, little things like that. I mean, it goes a long way. And for me and McDonough coming into a new team, getting to know the guys and telling stories, and they obviously asked a lot about Switzerland, what they could do. And I mean, I think that one that one helped me personally a lot to to glue to the guys and. But I mean, it's tough to tell. Like, I mean, there's so many good things going on in in Europe, and some of the guys have never been to Europe, so it was special for them to showing places and kind of like how old the whole history and everything is. So it was uh, it was cool to be around. You know, going back to something Mike talked about earlier, just the the free agent process. Obviously, <laughs> the contract is is number one when you're figuring out where do you want to go. But paint us a little bit of a picture of what that process is like money aside, because I think a lot of fans just think that's what it ends up being. You know, who's going to give me the most money? Who's going to give me the most, the most years that I want, but what other factors really came into play for you to say, Hey, I want to go to Nashville. Is it familiarity with players, you know, where the team's going? What are some of the factors other than the, the cash that really influenced you to head to Nashville? I think obviously cash is always something you you think about and one and especially also with years i mean you're getting older so it's something you think about but but at the end of the day you got to put yourself in the best position possible and uh, i saw there's a couple openings and uh, in the second line playing with johansson and i felt you know what that, that's a spot where i would love to earn but i mean it doesn't mean like once you come here you just got to hand it to you i mean you want to still earn that spot and I think that was a big reason what what I looked around. Okay, what where could I play with who and put myself in a good position to hopefully earn another contract after this one. So it's it's I mean, there's so many factors you gotta think about. And then there's other two, then you think about the city, think about okay, 
what's the time zone difference to Switzerland? Because if my parents or everybody wants to come, like, is there straight flights or whatnot? I mean, there's so many things you kind of take into consideration once you a little bit get older, I guess. And But the number one definitely was where can I potentially or what game I play fits the best for myself. I think that was definitely the, the biggest part. What is it like? I mean, have you hit it off right away uh, with with Ryan again? I remember every time we'd go to Columbus, um, you know, I'd always talk to to Ryan Johansson about you because you guys, if I remember correctly, were actually junior line mates. So it's that's not often, you know, that twelve years later that you would wind up on the same NHL line again. Yeah, I mean, it was almost uh, it was so weird. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, we haven't seen each other like in twelve years, and now you see each other again every single day, and then. We, we clicked right away because we, I know exactly what kind of player he is and he knows exactly what uh, what I like to do. And and even in practice, I know I just got to get open and he finds you and he knows that I'm a shooter. And if I have a good chance to shoot the puck, I will. And I think that makes it so much easier knowing from back then already was his preferences. And you don't really have to, I guess, be the nice guys and pass it back or whatever. And like he knows exactly what I want. He knows exactly what he wants. And I think that's that made made it the whole transition even easier as well. You know, you mentioned in free agency, like the fit is important. Obviously the money is important, but also like chance to win is important. And you've been on winning teams in the past. Like what's the bit of vibe just to be around this group, just even for camp and, and being overseas, just in terms of them a playoff team for a number of years, been contenders a number of years. They've made some big changes, obviously uh, this off season, just what's been the vibe or feel of this group and, and what they believe in terms of what they can do this season. I think we're right at the beginning and we were always talking about here getting the next step. I mean, they were, like you said, they were in the playoff number of years now, but they kind of missed the next step. Always in 2017, they went in the final, I believe. That was 17, I believe. And I mean, so they had some experience, but then they kind of made some changes. And now I feel like obviously he's adding a two, two cup champion with McDonough. I mean, he's he knows exactly what it takes and he's he's such a good person to be around. He's such a good leader already. You can tell what he does on the ice and and then hopefully by adding myself too that I we can we can add the next uh, next step into this organization. Along those lines, Nino, and I'm sure no player will ever admit this. If you Google your name, which I did this morning to make sure I wasn't missing anything in preparation for this interview, uh, I found like four different headlines that had the words Nino Niederreiter and missing piece, and that's what teams are always looking for that missing piece. That being said, what what has been made very clear to you that's expected of you this season. What does this team want from you to help contribute to get them to that next step? I feel like my tenacious in front of the net, the, my forechecking ability, I think it's definitely something which I always felt play against them was was missing a little bit. I mean, they have some high-end skilled guys with Johansson, Granny, Duchesne, Forsberg. I mean, they're so highly skilled. I mean, they're so fun to watch. But I feel like that straight-line hockey game going to the net and uh, outwork them, which I feel like a... Chano is a little bit like that and obviously still fairly young, but he's getting better and better. I mean, he's fun to watch as well. And I think that's something which was missing kind of like that, I guess, that dirty player in front of the net, which just stays there and being a little prick. And uh, I think that's something which was missing in this club, I believe. <laughs> Nino Niederreiter is the king of the goal mouth scrum. There is nobody <laughs> that gets into more goal mouth scrubs than him. And he's, you always got the same look on your face too. And it, it, you always I don't seem like... I, I don't understand the why, to be honest. Like, I told him, like, I'm such a nice guy. Like, I, I don't do anything wrong, but I just stand there and I guess they piss him off. I don't know. Yeah. That's why I said your goals are so Nino Niederreiter. They were just like, you score. I'm like, that's exactly why they got Nino Niederreiter. Go yeah. to the net, four check hard, create a turnover, and yeah. score a goal. I mean, that's the definition of it, right? 
Absolutely. I try my best that way. Yeah. <laughs> but Nino, but Nino can snipe the puck too, as all wild fans could tell you. Uh, <laughs> Nino scored, uh, there's probably two quintessential goals in wild history. One is Andrew Burnett in Denver ended Patrick Waugh's career game seven, in 2003. And then the other one in 2014 to win the series advanced the wild to the second round for only, only the third time in history. You know, uh, t- first of all, tell me that every time you're in a slump that you don't go on YouTube and watch that to motivate yourself. I mean, it's definitely something which you, you think back about it. You know, like, I mean, there was such a, a huge moment for myself and obviously for, uh, for Minnesota as well to, to move on and, I mean, always when you're slumpy, you start looking around. Okay, how do you, how do I, how do you, how do I score goals, or what do I do to get back on track? I mean, there is definitely times we where you look at that and it's like, hey, that's a shot from further out. Like, just give the puck also a chance to go in, and and yeah, so definitely, I mean, you definitely look at it once in a while and, and see it. But it's also like the memory which takes you back, and whenever you come to Minnesota and play there, I mean, that's definitely a memory which is uh, which we'll never forget for myself. Yeah, I think the best part of that story, Nino, is the fact that you. We're trusting Kyle Brodziak that the puck was actually in, that you that you actually weren't positive if it hit the net or the back bar or anything, and you're jumping up for joy, praying to goodness that this is going to be like the most embarrassing moment of your career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, I mean, I remember like when you rewatch the video, there is like Danny Heatley right after like trying to poke the puck in just to make sure he went in, and I just saw Brodziak obviously jumping, and it's uh, I was like, you know what, just gotta go with it and hope it went <laughs> in, and it was. Thank God. Well, we're going to see if a lot more of that this year, if these first two games are, are any indication, you know, 123 goals you're on pace for. <laughs> so don't, don't lose that pace. We were joking about yeah. it earlier. People just don't get the joke. Thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate yeah, it. It's been a lot of fun. And, and uh, if you are on pace for 123, we'll get you on a little later on this season for sure. That's good. <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, Nino, Nino, is, Nino is a streaky goal scorer. So I, I think he could do it. Wow. I'm happy with a couple more. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Nino. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Nino Niederreiter, the newest member of the Nashville Predators. After the break, rapid fire. So don't go anywhere. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, guys, my favorite time of the show and yours, Rapid Fire. Joe, I know you're new to the show. It basically means we give our first impressions and, you know, quick uh, opinions on certain stories. And the first two deal with the Buffalo Sabres. Don Granado, staying behind the bench, signed an extension with the Sabres. And Kyle Ocposo was named the new captain of the Buffalo Sabres. So Buffalo making uh, a couple of pieces of news this week. Michael, we will start with you. Your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I know. I saw Matt Fairburn's tweet about Oposo, and it's like uh, Twitter just went afire that it wasn't Alex Tuck. I mean, obviously, uh, Oposo is an incredible uh, leader. Um, he also is probably at the tail end of his career there in Buffalo, so it's sort of that perfect transition to eventually maybe make Alex Tuck the captain. Um, so I, I like the move, and 
I'm a big Don Granado fan. If you're going to have a rebuild situation with the Buffalo team that I think is going to be on the rise here in the next couple of years, you might as well have the coach along for the ride and not being just a, a filler for the eventual guy that Kevin Adams is going to bring in. So Adams just gets an extension. It's I think it's only natural to continue to grow, and obviously they must have a great, great relationship. So I think it's a good, new, good move for uh, Buffalo. Joe? Yeah, I love the Don Granado extension. I think they've had a million coaches the last five years, it seems like, with no real direction or synergy there. And the last year, at least really seemed like uh, they, have, they had that culture going. They had guys believing that young players, you know, playing well with confidence. They really seemed like he was do, getting a lot of work done there. So I think they have a lot to build off. So I think I like him. And Okposo, yeah, I think Alex Tuck was initially thought of as that guy. But just reading some coverage from our athletic writers there, and Tim Grand wrote a great story on Okposo and how – players to a man came to the coaching staff and said, Hey, this is a guy we want to lead in our team. And he, they picked the captain. I always believe that the players kind of wouldn't want some way should pick their own captain or the guys that they follow. Um, and so I think, you know, he was probably the right pick for that situation. Uh, rapid fire topic. Number two, Jason Robertson getting that four year deal done with the Dallas stars, $31 million missed the first two uh, weeks of preseason practice. It, anytime you've got an RFA situation here and you're just waiting for a guy to sign and you're always kind of holding your breath if you're a fan of that team, but this is done four years, 31 million bucks. Joe, we'll start with you. I mean, obviously both sides showed a lot of patience in this situation to try to get the right deal done. Yeah. Um, you know, Jim Nell, give him credit for that. But uh, yeah, I love him as a player. I think there's obviously guys that they had to sign in, in Dallas, um, you know, very fun to watch. And, you know, I think RFAs can use that leverage as much as they possibly can, you know, as far as when they have our brights um, other times when they can't. But uh, so, yeah, I think it's a win for, for Dallas to get that guy under, under contract. Yeah, just turned 23 years old. Uh, four years will go like that. He'll be, if he continues on his trajectory, when that cap goes up, he's going to get a monster, monster home run contract. Uh, so, you know, 41 goals last year. I'm sure that they tried to make it a, a you know, a Kirill Kaprizov type um, contract uh, Kirill after uh, his rookie year and with the John that that Robertson finished second on he got a five year deal at nine million dollars but older at the time as well probably more established overseas now Jason Robertson is going to come in at a pretty quality contract I think for Dallas especially if he continues on this trajectory as one of their best players if not the their best player and again he's going to get that home run contract here in four years if he continues that way. And finally, as we know, the Preds and Sharks opened up the season in Prague in the Czech Republic. Now, a couple weeks ago, Dominic Hasek wrote a letter to the NHL brass saying that Russian players should not be allowed to come to these games. There were a few of them uh, combined from both teams. That didn't happen. So Dominic Hasek sends out the following tweet. During the weekend, two NHL games were played in Prague. The leadership of the NHL did not respect the position of our MFA that Russian players should not play until the current leaders of the NHL resign. Uh, and apologize to our country. The NHL is no longer welcome in the Czech Republic. Russo, what do you think of the Dominators tweet? I mean, look, I, I, I'm I'm conflicted because I am trying to be sensitive to the fact that they are right there in the heart of, I mean, you know, essentially Chechia is, is right near Ukraine. I was just in Hungary during this war and you felt you actually felt it there. Like, you know, the, the fact that this was going on right next door. So I'm sensitive to that. But I'm also not going to blame a bunch of players just because of where they were born. You know, yeah. we have all in any of our countries done stuff that is deemed despicable around the world, and we're not made to pay for that. And I just think just because of what your birth certificate says doesn't mean that you can't just show up in a in a free country and and play the sport you love. So I just think it's uh, a lot of hot air. 
Obviously, the NHL is going to go back to Chechia. Obviously, Czech players are going to continue to play in the NHL, and Russian players are going to continue to play there. And so, um, you know, I just think that, that Tom needs to probably uh, lay off Twitter for a bit. Agree or disagree, Joe? No, I agree. I mean, the whole birth certificate thing really stands out to me in terms of guys like, let's say, Kucherov or Bassett to go overseas. Like, they shouldn't be blamed for something that's out of their control. And people asked us all the time last year about talking to Russian players about the situation over. It was such a sensitive thing. I think Mike can agree uh, because I think players were worried about, you know, saying something that was wrong that could affect their families that were over there. And I think, to me, I don't think me asking Nikita Kucherov what his feelings about, you know, the war over there is going to change what Putin's going to do or not do. And I think, obviously, they all have their feelings our own, but I didn't think it was that important for them to have their voices heard because they were afraid that oh, what might happen to their family that are still living over there uh, if they came out publicly up against it. I think you hit the nail right on the head, Joe. Every, everyone's tough on Twitter to say, well, they should say this, they should say that. If my entire family's still in Russia, I'm very careful as to what I'm saying. So, you know, I think people need to put themselves a little bit and be a little sensitive to the situation um, there as well. Yeah, and I think shit. that when we're, I think that we need to like also just to be understand that like the way that we live our life is not the way that they live their life there, and we put everything in like Americanized Canadian ways that we could just be free and say whatever we want, and nothing, and there's no repercussions there. It is a different world over there, and nobody knows what the, what what essentially Putin is capable of, and I I feel for these players that are over here that are, I mean, I would say the vast majority of them deep down in their heart of hearts is against this war. But if you have family living over there and you're you're here, I mean, just imagine the stress that Kirill Kaprizov is dealing with right now where the Wild essentially did a modern-day defection to get him out of there, okay? I mean, essentially, he was snuck into Turkey and, and, and stayed there for a couple weeks to get his work visa to come back here. And now Kirill's got to know that his girlfriend and his parents are still back there and his brother and things like that. You know, that is a stressful situation right now. And I think that we all need to be respectful of the fact that these guys can't say everything that they want to say um, and be put in a position to have to, you know, voice stuff politically that none of us ever had to do when, again, our countries were doing stuff that maybe others deemed weren't uh, proper and, and uh, appropriate. Here, here, Russo. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, another show in the books, guys. What are we working on this week? Mike, we'll start with you. Um, I did a story today. I talked yesterday to Pavel Novak, who is one of the wild prospects who was diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin lymphoma uh, back in June. He went through around uh, four rounds of chemotherapy and uh, on October 5th was uh, told, given the incredible news that he is cancer free. So I did a real touching interview with him yesterday and that story ran in The Athletic um, today. Uh, tomorrow I did a really cool story on the bromance that Kirill Kaprizov and, uh, and Matt Zuccarello have. There's a lot of really funny anecdotes and lines in this story. So highly recommend people, not just in Minnesota to read it, but I think around the, around the NHL as well. And then we have just some really, really neat stories coming up as well. I did the Mark Andre Fleury NHL 99 story, uh, coming up. I'll be, uh, I'll, you know, be can, I'm doing a Billy Smith one, a Mike Bossy one, and also a Mike Madonna one in the next little while. I know, uh, Joe has been hard at work at some of his NHL 99 stories as well yeah absolutely you know you know i'm still doing the tampa one so there's four players on this team on top 99 which is pretty incredible for four active players in the same team for 99 kucherov samkos uh, vasilevsky and Hedman. not to give this stuff away i guess but love stories on those guys going forward i'll have my wild coverage kick off this week maybe with kevin fiala's story this weekend uh his return to face the wild and some fun off the ice stuff uh, and a few of the guys uh in the wild lineup that'll be cool to see the next couple of weeks so as me and Russo get to go, our, our tag team, you know, coverage here. It'll be fun to see how what, what comes up it and, and see what this like this wild team can do. 
Yeah, today Rob jo- is Joe's first day at practice. I feel like I'm bringing my, my like son <laughs> to school for the first time. You need to pack a lunch, excited. pack a lunch, and everything. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. Hey, by the way, um, huge news. We, we're saving the best news to the end of the show. Delta Airlines and Starbucks announced today a partnership where every time you get Starbucks, you get Delta miles. And so I'm going to be just absolutely swimming in miles. And for the road trips, this is going to make up for all the road trips that Joe takes on this year <laughs> that I can't get Delta miles. So I am absolutely sky high in an incredible mood right now. This is the best mood, best news that I've gotten in probably about five years. It's an ear to ear grin about air yep. miles for coffee. Yep. I, I'm, I'm impressed because this news came out during this podcast that I was able to keep it together up until now. Caffeine high. All right, guys, we'll be sure to tune into that. And right now, I want to let everybody know, remember, you can subscribe to The Athletic Hockey Show on YouTube as well. So when you're on there, give us a click and follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review. You can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all your bonus content from the entire network. You start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And this offer stands uh, right now. You get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. The Athletic Hockey Show returns Thursday with Ian Mendez and down goes Brown. For Russo and Smith, I'm Pizzo. We'll talk to you next week.